Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I got my two friends in two little black boxes, Ryan and Scott. Hopefully they won't be in little black boxes forever. Soon. Soon. I think I think everyone's gotten their first shot. Yes. Uh, yep. So it's only a matter of time. Yes. Uh, my oh, second shot nice. is scheduled uh, for later in the month, which is mine. Yep, mine is scheduled for the twelfth. Mine good. isn't scheduled until like the twenty second of of April. You Apparently. and me probably have the Moderna, which is four weeks. Yeah, and you, Ryan, probably have the Pfizer. I have the Pfizer. That's why go. the Pfizer only requires three weeks. The Moderna is four weeks. It is what it is. End of I, April, early I May. I am the winner for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the real winners are the people technically with the J- uh, the Johnson & Johnson one, which is one shot only. But Yeah, but it's not as effective. It's, it's efficacy. Well, the biggest kicker that all three of them will do, let no one tell you any differently, is they will all help you prevent you from going to the hospital. That's That's the absolute critical thing for this vaccine. Fair enough. But yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's all good, good that it's baby. happening. Yes, it is happening. So we'll be out and about. We'll actually be able to see each other. <sighs> Going into our gaming, uh, you know, we just wrapped Star Wars. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, thank so God. <laughs> maybe you know that that's not going to matter for for you guys uh, out in the world there, but for yep. a long time. Yep. For a long time. Uh, but... We are on uh, in the editing process. We're in the middle of session nine, and the epi- a session that we wrapped up was session twenty-two. Oh Jesus, shit, Christ! Yeah, so, dude, we, went, we went a long, we went long haul on that motherfucker. We yeah. did. It was a, it was a big old epic, you know, three act story. Yep. Um, but the next time we we do a polyhedron plays. We might not have to do it over Zoom. Oh, that'd be great. We might not have to do it over Zoom, though. My layout is a little different. I would honestly, I kind of, man, I have just grown so accustomed to this. As <laughs> oh, that is definitely something we can talk about briefly, guys. Is since since we're going to be vaccinated and we're allowed, we're sort of like we're all cool with it. Small groups that are all vaccinated. How is that going to affect our gaming? Because online gaming is really flipping convenient. Also, Matthew, I love you. But your cats make my face hurt. <laughs> but they True love enough. you so much. They're very cute, and they like me a lot. But they make my face do a hurt. <laughs> and there's no amount of Claritin that makes the hurt not. Yeah, I know. I understand. I understand your pain, my friend. Um, I definitely want some gaming in person somewhere oh, somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could we could move Coin Finders back to my place. Well, we'll talk about that because man, online de- roll roll twenty. Too yeah. fucking convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's real so, convenient. Super it's convenient. convenient. Yeah, who, 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 like, who could foresee like the impact on our gaming that this could have had? Like, I mean, it, it's going to be a transition. I mean, it's going to be a transition. Choices are going to have to be made, and like, I, I can, I can count on my fucking hands. My friends are all like, ah. Fuck online gaming. Fuck yes. Fuck you know. I it needs to be at the table. And now they're all like, eh. but my chair, my chair, my butt. My 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 thing is, it's just super convenient. I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to prep anything. I can just five minutes till game time. I can roll on in, and we're good to go. Now, for like Mad Mage, where we have like a pre-made venture that's already loaded up on roll twenty. 
it's super convenient for all of us to control our own dudes and do all that. It is. But for, for things like my Scion game, granted it won't be going live because we're too far apart, but Scion game would be fine as a live game at the table. Mm-hmm. I don't need maps and minis. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely kind of a kind of a it's been a year of this. Yes. Like it has been a whole goddamn year of this. And and no one can see it coming and it's it's changed a lot. I mean, Matt, Matt can tell you, I was never shy about being in, in you know, in comfy pants and a robe, mm-hmm. even when it was, you know, gaming at my house. But Oh, yeah. I already told Linda that I'm going to probably have to bring over a crowbar to pry you out of that house. <laughs> when this not, is all it's going to be as hard as you think. It's just not going to be for necessarily, not necessarily for gaming stuff. Like, <laughs> I'll go out and do shit. You think I don't want to go to a restaurant? God damn it. Like, yeah. You think I, you think I haven't missed going out? Yeah, it's I really true. have. I'm just an introvert, so I'm just like really really okay with <laughs> this too sh- i was very this too shall pass about the whole thing yeah i know i i'm a younger man i live fat you know i i have a lot more ahead of me but <laughs> oh, <God laughs> fuck that, yeah that please. was more in response to my parents more than oh, anything. Yeah. just like we're 70 something we don't have <laughs> time means something different to us it's like i see your point <laughs> wow it's that is true yeah uh gaming is going to be very different i want i'm that's actually why i think i'm gonna like doing like kill team and a few other things where it's socially structured i'll be with friends i can go places but it's not like gaming because that's a huge emotional investment and that's a whole other sort of kettle but of also fish. like yeah for like warhammer shit you it's of course be in person that's... yeah it's it's mm-hmm. people have done it online but it's weird they had to use virtual tabletop and you have to set everything up to do it but you can do it but regardless, I think definitely online play because, as we all remember, there was like a month or two where Roll20 and everyone just kind of crapped, uh, shat the bed because it was all trying to deal with the load of it. Mm-hmm. Now it's streamlined. So I think online gaming is here to stay, everyone. I definitely think it is. I mean, I, like, I, I think we're going to still see like online conventions Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because, or, you know, online content for, for not, you know, fully online conventions, which is totally cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dra- DragonCon was doing that. Um, PAX, I think, was doing that too. Yeah. A little bit of online content for people you could buy basically a virtual badge and they would stream content to you. Um, obviously, it wasn't the full experience, but it was a lot of it. It was a lot of panels and stuff. Yeah, but like things like uh, like the Onyx Path Con and mm-hmm. the you know virtual horror con and on purely online cons where you can you know buy tickets to games and and be on streaming games and have virtual panels and that that's I think we might see those stick around. I think it's well, I think you know it, it's about accessibility too. Yeah, I think it's good. It's good that people are thinking about people who can't easily get around a convention center, can't easily go to a hotel. Or will fucking get deathly ill if they're in the presence of a thousand other filthy humans, <laughs> much like, you know, my significant other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and know. there's also the there's also I mean, because we, we've talked about before the, the whole, um, you know, gaming industry networking at convention bars mm-hmm. uh, and how that that was a problem for a lot of people for yeah. one reason or another. And it was it was kind of a gate. Uh, but now I think that it's that that could be remedied by having more online networking types of things um, for, net, for it, it, at the very least it will help 
that will still exist, but it's but it'll be better because people are more aware of of that happening. Like that's a mm -hmm. thing that happens, so people will be more conscientious about trying to network better online and through other met through other means. Now, people can make all the say all the nice things they want to say, but until rubber meets the road, <laughs> I believe it when I see it. I mean, yeah. Regardless, it's all networking is just about interpersonal skills, be it virtual or not. So it's all about meeting the right people at the right time. I mean, you can't help that. But regardless, moving right along, um, yeah, our gaming's been pretty much the same, other than Star Wars, of course. Uh, well, yeah, I'm actually kind of game light right now. Same. I, uh, I've, been, I've been having hard thoughts about that just because I'd, I'd really like to... I don't know, man. It, it's the curse of like the games that I really want to play in are the ones that I'm the only one that's ever going to run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, like I, like I've been, I had like a fantasy, just a fucking fantasy in my head of like doing a, a one-on-one -on -one style game, uh, where I could, you know, be in the Aeon universe and play a Clarsentient and do wacky journalist detective stuff. Just me. And, but no one, no one is going to run that game for me. I could, but I would not do a good job. That's you know what I wasn't going to say that. It's it's not my not one on one. Would's very hard. It's a very intense experience. Mm -hmm. Our own version of duets with dice would just I just don't see it. I just <laughs> yeah exactly. That, that's that's what my inspiration was from those duets with dice, uh, which you know our friends Mo and Austin do. Um, but it's like. No one, like, I'd have to find someone who, like, knows and loves the setting as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just, I'm that guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the things we love the most sometimes are the most fleeting of them all. Like, there's a thousand games I would love to, for somebody to run. Mm -hmm. No one will ever run them. Like, my, my thing is, I would love to run a Wrath and Glory game for my friends. You guys are not interested. I already know that. It's not a thing. Well, okay, Ryan, you're a little interested, but you're like one of all of my other friends. I am, yeah, I'm vaguely interested because, it, I mean, the setting is kind of weird and interesting. Yeah, you're like one of the most interested of that I know of that would I, be like fair. that I would want a game with because it's either that or randos online and well. <laughs> womp womp. Yeah, womp womp. But regardless, uh, anyone have any other comments about their gaming as of late? No. Before we get in the news. All right, cool. Yeah, that was a little more informal, but that's okay. You all have seen the title. You know what's going on right now, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, news, news, news. Uh, so, harken back to something we talked about a lot of in our news segment as of recent. Uh, Luke Crane is left uh, Kickstarter. Oh, shit. I, I didn't, I hadn't kept, yes, kept I, up I on that. I saw that. I saw yep. he, he left. He left. Um, they didn't fire him. I think he, he, they let him resign. He read he, the room. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was also, he did do a big updated apology letter, essentially. He, he pretty much takes the full blame for it. Now you can read it for yourself. I'll have a link in the show notes if you agree or disagree or feel how authentic this apology is, but we can move on from there. So uh, he has stepped down, and I think so. I don't know who exactly took his place, but uh, I'm, I'm sure they're just going to reorganize, and Luke will Luke will be fine. He's a very <laughs> notable character in the RPG community. As Jack Donaghy once said on Thirty Rock, he's a white man with a full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> 
the sky's the limit. <laughs> oh God, Actually, it's terrible, but it's true. I don't know if he has a full head of hair, but regardless, I don't know. That was just me swinging. That yeah, was swinging. One, but it's but anytime any so anyone in the RPG scene who's a white dude get get you know just sent, get sent pack and it's like ah, I'll be all right. He'll he'll <laughs> be okay. He's he's got enough like clout and money, and while his while it wasn't the greatest thing in the world that he did. Um, it is not exactly like he did anything truly illegal or, or no, truly it was, it, dire. It's a truly venial sin in woke court. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, but moving on from there, um, this is kind of cool. Uh, did you ever want to have a giant model of Tiamat for your gaming table? No. Well, they're going to release it and you can buy it. I know it. they would. I mean, it's kind of like, did you want the big Chardalan dragon? I'm like, not really. <laughs> yeah, they're they're well, releasing, the- Watsi's releasing a full, very big, like, m- essentially mini for your table that's Tiamat. So if you want to put Tiamat on the board, you got it. That's no mini at all. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, I mean, compared to, to I guess Tiamat. compared to Tiamat. It's a 200 <laughs> mil base. Holy crap. Let me let me take a look at this motherfucker. That is that is actually fairly visually impressive. Yes, it is. Then they're not sparing any expense. It's going to be under four hundred dollars, is what they said. Under four hundred dollars. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, I like it I is. like that they have the little references images with a Coke can. Like that is that is proper. Yeah, it's it's not small. This is not a small mini, and I do think it comes fully colored. So it's not like a normal miniature where you have to generally paint it yourself. It will be painted. Um, Reminds me of the uh, the Cthulhu Hero Clicks. Yeah, or the yeah, yeah the Gal- also like the Galactus one. That needed they a, made. needed like a turnkey. Yeah, good chunk, good chunk, Yeah, you could. Uh, I remember seeing that at I remember physically seeing that at Origins and being tempted just because it was so cool looking. Yeah, man. Um, so on other DD news, we got a small update on the DD TV show. So I forgot that the writer for John Wick, uh, Derek uh Golstad, is one of the key writers of the show. And cool. the current idea is there's only gonna be six to ten episodes, and it's gonna focus predominantly with the underdark. Huh. So that's going to be very interesting. Okay. I have a very important question. I don't know if a certain certain dual-wielding ranger, drow ranger, is going to be I, in it or I not. I could care less whether the famous one will show up, but how are you going to... How are you going to represent dark elves on screen? People are going to say you're doing blackface, even when they're... Uh, a lot of them have been denoting, and Watsi has sort of inclined that they may be purple. Yeah, I like mean... Like a dark purple, purple rather than black. But I've... Listen, that's cool that they're saying that. It doesn't matter that even if they are purple, people are gun. Ne- never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, if we if we want to if we want to be real spicy, like maybe they should just hire all black actors for it, and then they can put purple on their skin, and then they'd be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, then we well, have the well, current, because they're well, then they're representing Drow society, and, and that's is, not good. Which is hyper hyper. Um, well, it's all boss babes. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's, girl, it's girl boss. It's girl bosses all the way, except they serve an evil spider god that wants to eat them all. But regardless, uh, other news. One last big thing. You'll probably hear a little bit about that in the interview is Onyx Path, as a day of recording, has announced that they are getting a television show for Scion. 
that is super cool and super exciting. I mean, we yep. haven't really had anything like that since uh, um, Kindred, the Mark Ryan Hagen gets a lot of cocaine. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we showed up every day to film, but then we just kind of lost the time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ideas. Time. Great ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just look real quick. I can fast ideas. Because uh, the Discord server on Onyx Path actually has a Scion TV channel specifically now. I'm super. I'm. I'm. I love that. I mean, Scion has never been like my go-to game, but right. I love that Onyx Path is getting that deal. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like. I'm kind of happy that they got something announced uh, before fucking White Wolf Paradox yep. got something yep. al- along those lines. Um, not that I don't like White Wolf Paradox, it's just that I really like Onyx Path, and I think that's really great for them. Is the... And it means that my dream of seeing some form of Trinity Media, uh, you know, beyond the books, might be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just need a. We just need the D and D show and the Trinity sh- and the Scion show to go well. Right. Yeah, we really that's... need those to be good. And uh, if those go well, well, then there's then you're just chumming the water, and, <laughs> and, and then Netflix it's all down. Be like, we'll take four thousand of them. Yeah, indeed. And then you'll be sick of them. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's by Jenkins and Tate Entertainment. Um, it is got a it's it's a new company, but it's got a whole bunch of industry vets in the process. So this isn't the first rodeo as far as putting a television show together. So I'm super eager to see. Supposedly, from what they said on the Discord. This has been in the works for nearly two years. Yeah. So good on them for keeping a lid on that and making it happen. Yeah, that's super exciting. I can't wait to see what comes of it. And like, there's already like pictures of props uh, and like other sort of production. Oh, I bet they're doing the the actual signature five of them. They might be doing the signature characters. Yeah, the signature characters from the book as their main characters, which is cool, be cool because that's a very diverse cast, like mm-hmm. of group with from different pantheons so i'm i'm down with that but regardless you're not here for us to jibber jabber that's for patron content yeah that's for patron content so we're gonna head on to the interview so enjoy everyone i'd like to welcome to the show danielle and eddie webb of onyx path fame how you guys doing with the way you said that made it sound like danielle and eddie webb yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. It's okay. It's right. I would like to introduce Danielle Lozon and Eddie Webb of Onyx Path fame. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, especially after the recent divorce. <laughs> <laughs> very oh, good. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very amicable. In and out like a flash. <laughs> Fantastic. She gets 50% of Trinity. Oh, right. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Like I said, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we're here to talk about Adventure, the new Trinity Continuum game that we are very excited about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, you, very you excited. You have to say it like Adventure. Because there's a big exclamation point at the end. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually how I, I, I was I was Googling it and like and I had to put the exclamation point. I was like, nope, you gotta put that there. Yep. It's important. I mean, that's important. that's a brand thing. Like it, it, it's it's very yes. distinctive and like it sticks in your yes. head. I love it. Mm-hmm. So we're like I said, we're very excited that you're on, and because you guys on Next Path has a Kickstarter that's live right now 
for the last of the original core mm. sort of Trinity Continuum slash Aeon books. I forgot just just it was that Trinity. It was it was eventually called Trinity Universe back in the day. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is exciting because this is unique because this book had one book. That was it. Mm -hmm. It was one of the last books that was published for the line, and that was it. So mm -hmm. let's go ahead, um, because you guys have been on the show before. We know your body of work. It's very extensive. It's great. Give us sort of like the one, like the, the elevator pitch on this version of adventure, and then we can kind of go into questions. Because I know me and Scott have got some questions. <laughs> Ooh, we got questions. Uh, Eddie? Eddie, do you want to take that? Sure, yeah, I'll do that. Um, so uh, Adventure is our uh, pulp-inspired era. Um, so originally we had Trinity Continuum Aeon, which was our, our space opera game. Um, then Trinity Continuum Aberrance, which is our near-future superheroes game. Trinity Continuum Core, which is our modern-day action hero game. And so now we're continuing to make our way backwards, and now this is set in 1934. Uh, for fans of the original adventure, it is uh, 10 years after the original adventure. And whereas the previous games have been pretty explicitly kind of uh, reimaginings of the first editions of games this is a little bit of that but also a little bit of uh, of a sequel um so we assume that pretty much everything that happened in first edition in 1924 is the backstory for this 1934 version of mm -hmm. adventure um and it is uh one of the things that uh, the team worked very hard on was to make sure it was as inclusive as possible because the original pulp stories were of their time, um, a time where everyone was an asshole, mm. to be fair. Uh, <laughs> and so we tried to excise that, but also just, you know, this is a, still a game where you can fight a talking gorilla and board an air zeppelin and punch yep. Nazis. So that's yep. definitely this kind of action adventure uh, pot boiler style of role playing game. No, very cool. Very cool. Uh, Daniel, anything to add to that? Anything you want to, you want to sort of attach? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that we, you know, Eddie says that it's kind of a reimagining of the original, it, but mixed with a, that's assumed to be the backstory. And it's kind of, we took, it's 10 years that we have advanced the story instead of just saying, oh, well, this all this happened 10 years later. Instead, we said, okay, but that happened in 1924. And then we advanced the story in their kind of their logical way, which mm. allowed us to do some different things with some of the allegiances and with some of the uh, setting in a way that does make it more inclusive and, and you know, makes it a little more modern sensibilities without rewriting the history of adventure itself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so gotcha. you know one of the th like one of the big things <clears throat> that i like to call attention to is originally and society was called the and society for gentlemen because it was modeled after those kind of gentlemen's clubs where mm -hmm. you know people got together and it was you know men only but there were women who were members and involved and so it never made sense to me that it was called that because you know you had literal women in the Anne society mm. um so having it be the Anne society for gentlemen but having you know this allowance for women felt a little a little counterintuitive and also a little restrictive and so having them say like oh yeah well that's how we started but then we dropped the for gentlemen because we realized it didn't make a whole lot of sense it says oh, i got to rewrite that without actually changing the history of the Anne society yeah. No, that's mm -hmm. cool. I mean, and and also they 
it's one of those nice, nice, nice timeline things of they have always done that. It's just you guys have defined mm-hmm. it as when it happened. You when know. it happened, right? Right. Uh, and also, um, speaking of time, one of the nice things that we can do is uh, a lot of of games or media set this time period <clears throat> has to kind of either. Uh, accept the realities of the time period and ignore them uh, or try to work within the realities of the time period to come some interesting. So it's like you have the Bridgerton approach versus the the um, um, uh, the HBO show. It's blanked on all of a sudden. Lovecraft Country? Love, Lovecraft Country, thank you. Um, those are two kind of approaches to this. And the nice thing is that we can kind of do both because Max Mercer is a time mm-hmm. traveler. Um, <laughs> and so Max goes forward in time and goes, oh, wow, this is actually some really horrible stuff. We should maybe walk that back. And so he can kind of direct the AN society towards that future he already knew was going to happen. And so we can really have that strong inclusivity to make people, everyone feel comfortable at the table, but also not shy away from the isms of mm-hmm. the time period. Right. Because um, they're, they're part of the makeup, like the noir concept. Like if you have a more noir game, you're going to have some of those tropes mm-hmm. because that's part of the noir genre itself right. is to have those uh, perspectives. But it's very cool. I like that you wrote it in a way that if you happen to have the original copy, uh, be it digital or physical, you can kind of use that to help you springboard into this version because it's all quote unquote canon. It's all mm-hmm. there that you can right. use. All the relationships are there, and then you've just you've updated the timetable uh, and kept it consistent versus what you did with Aberrant and with Aeon, just because you were kind of coming from the more from the ground up with those ideas mm-hmm. or depression. So very cool. I'm 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 eager to know more. So I'll, Scott, what questions would you like to start off with? Well, I think. Um... I think you know the the one big thing that is not in the original edition of Adventure that I think um, is just a fantastic uh, addition across the board is the character of Sarah Kor. Um, like she was mm-hmm. she wasn't around mm-hmm. in first edition, but you know that's like the that's like the the big divergence between first edition and second edition is is her insertion into the story, and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have always, like, as soon as, you know, the, the Setting Secrets chapter of the Aeon book was released and I read about that, I was just overjoyed about something I never knew I was missing. Like, how cool mm-hmm. that character was, because she was dead in first edition. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it, I, I really want, I cannot wait to find out more about her and her voice and her story. So I guess the first question is, Tell me a little bit more about Sarah Kor. Uh, so Sarah is, you know, she's the first me- uh, mesmerist slash scion, right? Mm-hmm. She's a scion in this in the the full sense of the term, where she wasn't created in a, a chamber like all the ones in Aeon are. Um, and she is present through the ages. So you see her presence in the aberrant book as well. Um, And so of course she's present here and in all of the other games, these characters, Max Mercer, Dr. Primoris, Divas Mal, whoever you want to call him, uh, Michael Donegal comes uh, and Sarah Kerr, Sarah Serana, Oh man, I don't even remember Sarah all of her Swatties. names. Yeah, they all have. All, Max is the only one who keeps his name. Everybody yeah. changes, their name, all like, the time. changes yeah. their names all over the place. <laughs> and so, you know, these characters though are you know throughout the timelines, and so they've you know they've all got these extended lifelines. So I definitely wanted to show them kind of at their beginning. So all three of them have 
ties to the story throughout the book, but this, I'm, I'm not going to give it away, but this book has a setting secret chapter as well that gives their kind of full backstory of like their origin before the Hammersmith incident and what they did immediately after hmm. the 10 year intervening time period. Um, Sarah is a, she is kind of a character who keeps to herself a lot um, and it's not because of anything other than um, what we have written in kind of a disagreement of how, how to save the future. Um, and it's interesting if you are familiar with Aberrant and then into Aeon, um, you know, we kind of built some motivations into Sarah that are kind of based on her experiences as an Indian woman who moved to England, kind of got adopted as a lab assistant by a, a frankly brilliant scientist who killed himself. Uh, he flew too close mm -hmm. to the sun, as it were. Um, and she had all of this knowledge that he, he had, and she also had this knowledge of the future. Mm -hmm. Not the way Max had knowledge of the future, right? Max actually literally went to the future, but as the first scion, she could see into the future. Yeah, his clairsentience. And, right. Mm -hmm. And so she was capable, she saw the same future Max saw, and she's, and she says, you know, in the same way, we need to prevent this. And Max says, aha, I, I can brute force fix it by just changing everything. <laughs> and she's like, that's not going to work, Max. That's not how I... You know, like every time Julie, you do, right, it, <laughs> yeah, right. And so she's like, I need to, I need to separate myself from you because I need to experiment. And then here's, you know, Michael Donegal, who's now Dr. Primoris, who is saying, please, Sarah, tell me everything you know about the Hammersmith incident and, and his Tilleric engine so I can recreate it. And she says, but I know you're the bad guy in the end. So <laughs> no. <Yeah>. So, no. <laughs> Um, so she's got these two kind of narcissistic assholes who are constantly harassing her for information. So she, she leaves them in the dust. Um, so her involvement in the allegiances and in the setting itself is a very kind of, she's a person that the characters can go to, uh, for information and for help. Um, but she's not nearly as meddlesome as the other two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, her voice is very measured it's very tempered and she is playing a long game um and so she is kind of this irrational i don't want to say rational being but she's she's definitely separated herself from uh two much more irrational humans right. at least in her right. point of view she's taking a lightest touch approach to the yeah. future versus max and michael's which are much more ham-fisted a little more brute force right uh, especially and michael's perspective because michael has to explore a little bit more than they those two have to about the nature of who and what they are right. and where they're going to go Yes. And, and it's interesting to me also because, you know, all of these people are flawed humans, right? And so even her approach isn't the right approach necessarily. Right. It is the one that she thinks is the, the most correct. But in the end, she also fails to prevent any of the stuff happening in the future. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, it, I think it's kind of, it, it was fun to, to give her a voice of a counterpoint to say Dr. Pramar. Dr. Primoris and to Max, but also to make her kind of, uh, you know, 
she's rooted in her own limitations. And so you see that as you see more information about her um, and what she's involved in, uh, where she gets really involved in actually like women's activism during this time period. And she's more, mm-hmm. impo- more involved with that than she is with anything else. That's fantastic. No, that's that- yeah, it's very cool. I'm I'm intrigued. Now let's take it back a little bit because you you made you said a term earlier that I think we should explain and then we can extrapolate off, which is mesmerist. Yes. Because in the original adventure, we had three sort of archetypes, three groupings, which was daredevils, mesmerists, and stalwarts. Back then, that had a that had a very unique and very sort of like encapsulated concept whereas this is now we have to marry it with the new concepts of syads and novas and mm. all of that and aberrants and and all and the normal talents as we call them so how does that work with this new trinity and how are you approaching it and and then also like balancing out the mechanics so um <clears throat> without getting too far into the weeds of it essentially we decided that the way that the three inspired types would work is that, you know, daredevils are essentially the exact same as talents in the, in the Trinity core book. In fact, they get very few new rules. Um, we do create some uh, kind of era gifts for them that are, you know, more appropriate for the era, but their gift set is exactly the same as what's in the core book mm-hmm. um, because they are the daredevils are talents mm-hmm. They're just called talents in the future. Um, They're referred to as daredevils now. So those are exactly the same. Um, But because that's true, we wanted these other two inspire types to to correlate to their, you know, what we call their kind of meta versions. So mesmerists look a lot like mini scions. Um, They're capable of all of the kind of mentalist tricks you would assume somebody should be capable of in the 1930s, like mentalist department. Um, But their gifts are a little more overt than they are covert. You know, they are capable of things like telekinesis. They are capable of things like healing. Uh, they can they can pop into people's dreams. Um, so they're they're powers, but they're not nearly as powerful as a full-on scion. Mm. And the same is true for stalwarts. You'll see that their powers are reminiscent of Nova powers, but not quite at the same level as Nova powers. Um, and we did this intentionally because one thing that we kind of want people to be able to do, even if you know timeline doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, is to, take, you know, their mesmerist or their Nova and play them in an adventure era and then have them say, go from stalwart to Nova or go mm-hmm. from mesmerist to scion uh, or Syad really. Um, and so we wanted the characters to have a very strong reminiscent feel of their counterparts without being completely different. Like you'd have to remake your character to have them go into a Nova because the yes. stalwart, right? This because it's just a completely different game and a completely different system. Mm-hmm. But the you could pick gifts, and those gifts have natural translations mm. into quantum powers. So you wouldn't you would be rewriting the character using the new rules, but you wouldn't be losing the functionality that you had already. Okay, I think I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and and so but everybody uses gifts. So stalwarts have their own set of gifts. Mesmers have their own set of gifts. Nope, they can't cross pollinate because they're they're just different. Um, but they 
they all use gifts and they all work similarly. So the system, no matter who you're playing as, is exactly the same for all inspired types. Okay, so they're all they all run off inspiration, and yes. they all run off off the of the uh, what do they call the facets? Yes, the, they the all three have facets. facets. Yep, they all have three facets. They have inspiration. They spend inspiration for gifts in the exact same way. Uh, all of that's exactly the same, so that all characters build and look similar to each other. Right. Um, but what their gifts give them the the capacity to do. That is where That's it is different. That's actually incredibly yeah. similar to first edition adventure because they all had everyone had Max, which you know, and yep. and that that's very cool. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Now we tried yep. to preserve that as much as possible because I mean, honestly, it's already mm-hmm. a good system. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Also, it lets everyone play on the same field. Yes. Um, without the rules being so divergent that it's like I have three books that I have to look at, and you have four, your three other books that you have to look at yeah. in order just to run the characters and see yeah, if they yeah. mesh together. So I'm totally down with that because I like the idea in the in the pulp stories that we get um, in this time period. Like you have people with very different abilities. Like some, like you said, mesmerists are a little more overt, but they're more like magicians and mentalists, whereas daredevils are just people with exceptional luck and skill. And then you have stalwarts, which have through hookah by Krufu gotten uh, like extraordinary abilities, like mm-hmm. Doc Savage, the man of bronze type of situation where their abilities are almost superhuman if you were to just take them at, at their face value. Right. So, uh, I mean, going back more to the, the, the narrative element of it, um, I, I make no um, I make no uh, attempts at hiding the fact that I am a huge Divis Small fanboy. Like he he's always been one of my favorite characters, even <laughs> though he is a Divis Small had some valid points. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Divis Small had some valid points. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, but I really like what I've seen so far about Doctor Primoris. Uh, like I wasn't surprised that he was a dick, but wow, is he a dick? And I'm, I'm and I'm here for it. Uh, I hadn't read that part. I need to read there's that some, part. There's some journal really entries that you should read, and they're they're delightful. Oh no! <laughs> um, so, um, I I mean I wrote those, and you know I. I wasn't intending him to come off completely as a dick. Um, <laughs> well, I say that in so, a loving sense of the word. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I really, in my mind, Dr. Primoris is kind of at the beginning of a journey where he is, he's a very cocksure person. Um, he is a scientist and he is looking for answers. And at this point in his life, he doesn't necessarily know what the answer is yet, but he's, He's sure that he will find it before anyone mm-hmm. else. And he's sure that with just the right application of experimentation and gumption and know-how that he will he will get where he needs to go. Um, and so I wanted that to kind of come through in my journal entries that he was writing in that he, he kind of has some preconceived notions of what is best and a little bit of narcissism. Um, but there's you know, there's this underlying question as he's, you know, investigating who are the, you know, who are the inspired and, you know, what happened at the Hammersmith incident and what are we doing now kind of thing. Well, I, I also, I mean, it, it hasn't really come through in what you've released, but I'm sure in that setting secret ch- uh, chapter, you'll go into it. I mean, he has to deal with his own form of oppression and, you know, silencing of himself. 
that no doubt informs his his methods and his and his uh, his the way he goes about doing things. Uh, that being that he's mm-hmm. a gay man, um, and yes. yeah, yep. that that is that I, I I like I said I'm a huge fan of the character. It's incredibly it's an incredibly nuanced character that I've loved since you know the late nineties. Uh, I'm actually very intrigued by the Saturday secrets to learn more about what what Max was like beforehand, because Max is one of those people that we didn't know a lot about. He oh, while he was very front and center, he existed. He was there, but you didn't get to know a whole hell of a lot about him, like what he wanted, why he wanted it, and especially his relationship to his extremely unique ability that he has that other quote unquote talents do not have. Yeah, each I will say I like, man, I don't want to tell you too many of these secrets, even though they're like they're they're in there and you'll read them eventually. Right. Um, But there's there's a there's a good long entry on each of Mm -hmm. the three. Um, in that setting secrets chapter that we kind of awesome. delve into mm-hmm. their histories and their their thoughts and and what they're doing now. That's great. I can't wait. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait. Um, uh, some of the other things that I want to talk about that I liked because I did listen to the Onyx Pathcast where you talk a good deal about adventure. So definitely link in the show notes, everyone. If you want more information that we may may or may not cover here, go over there to give it a good listen. Is the strange places. Let's talk about that for a minute, because that's something that I had forgotten about was in core because I'm a, no offense. I used core mostly to help me build characters for other eras. And so I didn't think about strange places and but strange places becomes a prominent figure in adventure. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, um, I mean, yeah, uh, this, the, the strange places are. They're, they're a nice way to sidestep, again, some of the, the more awkward parts of Pulp. Um, so, like, for example, we've been pretty open about the fact that there are dinosaurs in uh, Adventure 2nd Edition. Um, but, they look, but they look like our perception of dinosaurs from 1920s and 30s, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have feathers. They're, they're much larger. Um, and so a couple people have been like, well, why is this? You know, the dinosaurs are old-school dinosaurs. They weren't. It's like, well, it's because they're from a different dimension. Because we have the continuum, we have the idea that, you know, there's different dimensions that butt up against ours, and occasionally, you know, the center of the Earth can happen or the intelligent ape city. And yeah. it also explains why the these mysterious places are – either don't exist or existing less as you get further and further on the timeline. Right. Um, and presumably uh, exist more and more if you go backwards further in time. Yeah, that's actually interesting. I just thought about it. It's like, well, you got, you got, you got Gorilla City. You got yourself Caveman Dino, Dino Dimension, which is mm-hmm. actually really funny. I want to do something with that. But you also could like do, if you really want it, you could do like an Atlantean one where yeah, there's right. something under the sea and there are, they're like Aquaman type Atlanteans that have their own weird, like brassy super tech that you have to go deal with and they're rising out of the sea and threatening everyone. Wow. Right. All that kind of but, fun stuff. But again, nice thing is we can, you know, this explains things like, you know, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, The Lost World, where you go into uh, uh, Africa or South America, I forget which, and then there are dinosaurs there. Yeah. Um, but it's not because it's some remote part of the world. It just happens to be where the dimensions are. So there's probably some of those also in London and in New York, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. <laughs> one of, I mean, hopefully we'll get to them, but one of the uh, stretch goals that I am hoping for is a book of strange places that. Mm-hmm delve into some some locations and and yeah there's you know one of my ideas was that there's essentially a um you know a diner on like a a u.s highway that's fairly infrequently used that 
the back door is literally like a door into a, a completely other like dimension mm-hmm. that has like much higher tech than than our world does yeah. right now or something like that right and just you know having these places you know yes there's a there's an island with dinosaurs on it or there's you know journey to the center of the earth and there's you know this hollow the hollow earth concept of yep. like you know some tropical expanse in the center of the earth but there's also just you know it's a remote location in the world mm-hmm. it's a place that isn't often frequented by anyone mm-hmm. and so when somebody does frequent upon it the possibility that something strange is there is much more likely because there aren't people going there, right? So the probability of everybody's going there every single day, your probability of something strange being there goes down, 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 down. The down quantum because, field is collapsing ever, ever more. The right. more people are witness and aware of mm-hmm. the situation. Right. Like essentially, instead of that, like it, it's the kind of concept of like Schrodinger's mm-hmm. anything, right? Where it's yeah. like, well, it could it could be weird, but when you observe it, it's definitely mm-hmm. not weird. <laughs> but if no one's observing it, it could be that, weird. That's kind of so, that's kind of reminiscent of Mage. Which, you know, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little. Um, but I mean, you know, an, an example that's not adventure specific, but like kind of the time between adventure and modern day um, is like presumably sometime in the 50s or late, late 50s or 60s, a flying saucer came through a dimension and right. crashed somewhere in Nevada. But then when all the newspapers talk about flying saucers and pictures of flying saucers, eventually people stopped seeing them because they became so ubiquitous in the, in the popular imagination that they were no longer strange. And therefore that, that, that quantum tension become much less. Interesting. It's almost the opposite of Mage, actually. The more they believe it, the less likely it is to happen. That's very mm-hmm. cool. Whereas in Mage, yeah. the more you believe it, the more likely it is actually to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it's, it's the more people observing a, a area or phenomenon or location, the less likely it is for that uh, for that area to have something quantumly strange going right. on or another dimension to be able to pass through because they're strengthening those dimensional barriers by constantly looking at it. And being like, but it looks like our world. <laughs> uh, I did not make this connection until right now, and I don't know why I didn't. But you could totally run uh, Adventure and Trinity Core as sort of like a uh, man in the high castle scenario. Yeah. Where you've got these two very close dimensions where one significant event changed the timeline where, yeah, the Nazis took one World War II. And, and took over the United States, and you have to deal with that versus – and you've got this – entire weird contingency of no they didn't win but what is real and there are these two dimensions that they constantly have to like deal with each other yeah um and uh like because we, we joke about the like the, the the trinity tomb is the only game where everything mm-hmm. is canon right right um, your tabletop game is canon that you know your idea you just mentioned now that that's now canon um you know the first edition of aberrant is, is also canon in some part of the continuum uh, it's completely incompatible with the books hmm. you're putting out but it doesn't mean it's not somewhere in the continuum we can do stuff like that and also it allows us i mean we we, we like doing fun things like seating max mercer and seating Divis small through the different books and all that but also we like doing things that don't necessarily line up really well um and allows us to show there's a lot more here than just these three books in backward sequence um so uh, uh what parts of the book did you work on eddie uh, I wrote oh. the fiction primarily, um, and also we, I was involved in initial kind of like uh, discussion and brainstorming and outlining, but uh, mainly I wrote the fiction on it. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, because there's just so much to adventure that's it's very intriguing. Obviously, you've already talked about the progressiveness of the time timetable. Sort of brought us into 30, what, what you said 37? 
34. So World War II is about to kick off in a couple of years. And yes. then, then obviously the United States gets involved. That should be very intriguing. Um, I remember you guys talking on the Onyx Pathcast, and this gets slightly political, is like, punching Nazis is overused, and then you're mm -hmm. like, no. I want to punch the shit out of some Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't like, man, I don't even want to say, but like the difference, the 20 year difference in 2001, if you had told me that there would be out and open neo-Nazi groups that were, had political clout and that were a genuine threat to America, mm -hmm. I would laugh at you. Yeah. Yep. I'd be like, oh, you mean skinheads that nobody pays attention to? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and no. Uh, and now I'm just like, yeah, go please punch a Nazi. Like <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's been, it's been noted multiple times on, uh, like the Onyx Path discord that, you know, the, the presence of Nazis is saddeningly a real thing that you can deal with in multiple incarnations of the Trinity continuum. And yeah, so like, it really is. Yeah. And I that, brought up the idea that in the future we could have future Nazis too. <laughs> space Nazis. Yeah. Space Nazis. If you want to do space <laughs> Nazis. So we can do this. We can make this happen. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, Nazis are, a, are, a, honestly, Nazis are a really easy antagonist. Everybody can, everybody, <clears throat> most people <laughs> can get behind, you know, right. actual Nazis are, are, they're bad people and they they want bad things. But, you know, we also have like, <clears throat> Fascist Italy is also a thing during yes. this time period. Mm -hmm. um, and fascism is a, a wonderful thing to fight against. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of colonialism going on that is being fought back against during the, the 30s, um, where, you know, there's, there's nations are losing their control over the foreign entities that they had, you know, built their empires on. Mm -hmm. And so the struggle for freedom is is a really strong, you know, kind of adventure feel. And, you know, clearly I'm not, you know, nobody wants to say uh, everybody should play games of white savior complex or anything along those lines. It's just, there's already people out there doing, you know, organizing resistance movements, organizing labor movements, organizing freedom movements all across the world in the thirties. And so it's such a great time period to find anywhere in the world there's such a great, you know, there are corporate antagonists. There are, you know, there's just so many great antagonists where, you know, there's, there, they exist in the twenties as well, but there aren't as much, there isn't as much push against them, I feel like. And the, that era, like that decade, the twenties is really consumed by the knowledge that the great depression is coming upon us mm -hmm. where, in the 30s, we have the Great Depression has happened and people have realized how much the world fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> and so they are pushing against it. And I think that's really great for, you know, especially our themes of hope, unity, and sacrifice. Sacrifice, mm -hmm. thank you. Where all three of those are really embodied in this time period in a very mm -hmm. good way. Yeah, it seems like the ideal scenario is, hey, let's help us kick some kick these uh, these colonialists out, and then let you get on your own goddamn business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that definitely a thing you could do, or it could be, you know, kicking these colonialists out is going to be really hard and really difficult. And instead, let's just like funnel you money that and medicine. Too. Yeah. Um, and also, it's interesting about the 30s, because we have World War II about to kick off, politically, the world is extremely dicey, which mm -hmm. is interesting for a group that literally is globetrotting. 
Yeah. But be, it, but this isn't like the 1920s, like idealistic globetrotting where it's like, hey, we're just going to go over here and do a fun venture, white adventure thing. It's like, no, it's dicey. You've got to deal with a whole bunch of people. You need to know a lot of different people. You need to speak a whole bunch of languages. And everyone has got an angle, which is very exciting. That should be, I think, a big part of any adventure game that's going to be very globetrotty is there's always somebody's always playing something for yeah. some entity, be it local mm -hmm. or international. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to, okay, sorry, Eddie. Uh, oh, go ahead. One of the things I wanted to emphasize isn't, I mean, like clearly help people solve their problems, but that you, you really need a local. Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. most places that you go, there's always a local who has an issue that they could use your help with, but there's always mm -hmm. a local who wants to help you with your issues too. Um, and that you, you know, you may need a guide or you may need somebody who knows the political landscape or somebody who can get you a passport because otherwise you can't get into this place. And so, you know, that's definitely a reason why, you know, in the, the setting chapter, the main like world setting chapter is here is this, you know, globe trotting world that we've presented to you and the people that you'll find in each of these locations, mm -hmm. some of them bad, some of them good. And not just as, I mean, they're, they're there to serve as story hooks, but they're also there to show you that like, these are the local people. These are the people you should be interacting with. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Yeah. And uh, one, one thing um, I, I really dig about this new version is um, uh, the, the first adventure, first edition did this as well on a lot of pulp games too. This is a very much look at pulp through the lens of like the shadow or secret agent X 23 of I'm a rich guy who punches people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean, I like Batman too, but there's more to that. Um, and uh, Rich Thomas and I, uh, uh, Rich has gotten me to start really reading um, um, other kinds of pulps uh, in particular, uh, Oh, I just fell on my head. Um, the Man of Bronze, uh, Doc Samson. Doc Savage. Doc, Doc Savage, yeah. Um, and I, I've actually, uh, the first 10 novels fall, have fallen into public domain, so I've been reading through those. And what's interesting is that there's there's a, a fair bit of punching, and there's definitely some problematic elements. But one of the things is that he ultimately has an organization. And like the very first novel, spoilers for 80-year-old book. Um, <laughs> he, finds a, he finds a mountain full of gold in a remote village, and the first thing he does sets up a trust so that all the people in the village are financially taken care of mm -hmm. forever. Um, Interesting. Great and cool. a lot of the Doc Savage adventures involve him taking a financial way towards helping people out as opposed to just punching a thing and then walking away. He mm -hmm. tries to think of long-term solutions to solve problems. So it's nice to see uh, an adventure or a pulp game that actually looks at both sides of that equation. It's like, yes, you can go in and, um, you know, tear down the sky, the sky Zeppelins and stop the, uh, bombs from dropping onto New York or what have you. But also you can play a character with uh, the loaded, uh, edge and come in and just start buying people dinner. As, and especially again, because it's said after the great depression, that financial fiscal component becomes more compelling and interesting as a narrative device. Whereas the twenties would have been like very much more, you know, um, everybody's rich. Right. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's everyone's, everyone's the great Gatsby functionally. And that's not as compelling. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm totally down with that. I didn't think about that, but it's also like, bringing sort of modern concepts of financial institutions, but also like just how uh, 
international commerce and, uh, and institutions can work and help everyone because yep. you've got to you can punch a nazi you're gonna need to punch nazis but why don't we create a situation after we punch those nazis so we don't get more nazis Right. right. And, and, and again, you know, Doc Savage, one of the characters, his job is lawyer. And he, you know, I mean, he has, yes, he has a pig named Habeas Corpus, but um, his, uh, his job is to go in there and actually defend people and try to get laws overturned. That's something he does a, a somewhat amount in the books. Um, and so a two fisted lawyer sounds like, frankly, a badass mm. concept. That'd be really no, cool. Absolutely. To play. <laughs> that sounds amazing that sounds what i also like about this it, this goes into just my own fanboy is like with this version the way you've got it set up you can do uh the the league of extraordinary gentlemen right. you can set up these very esoteric and i know people don't like the movie i actually kind of enjoyed the movie it's very <laughs> bad but it's kind of great and it's bad you mean lxg oh, no. yeah, LXG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my hit points yeah. <laughs> my hit points. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you can play that concept like, oh, this guy got his powers from a weird concoction that he mm -hmm. came up with. This guy studied all these weird esoteric scriptures uh, in a remote village somewhere and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. one guy's just from the Bronx. Um, yep. Right. And they all come together and like, we're, we, we are a group of eclectic people who want to try to do something good. And, and progressive in the world yeah and, and i mean like um i remember when daniel asked me to write to fiction basically she was like i want a badass woman character of color probably a detective and i was like i can give you one who is the mentee of sherlock holmes and also has canonical ties to the original stories and she's like sure whatever i don't care I'm like, no this would be great um <laughs> And Lucy Hepburn is amazing. Yes. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Okay, because I follow you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I remember a couple weeks, months ago, you were talking about this whole Sherlock's home and like there's this canonical character that's a, that's of color and that she would exist in the actual fiction. And I was like, and that makes total sense that you wrote that. And that's where you that's where that's when you were probably writing that. And you're right. going through your head oh, how it works. But, it, but it, it was very much a thing that pulps did, right? Is they 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 shamelessly stole from each other and homaged mm -hmm. each other, um, yeah. and saw something I was able to do. But uh, I, I I'm going to take a moment because um, I ahead. find it's cool. Um, uh, one of the original stories is called uh, uh, the adventure uh, the adventure of the yellow face, um, which is a really awful title, but <laughs> ultimately it, uh, it is about uh, a, ch a child who is uh, the daughter of a white English woman and a black lawyer from Atlanta. Uh, and he fled the U.S. because he was going to be killed because he was a black man. Uh, and so they were hiding out in London and keeping their child a secret. Uh, for a very complicated reason. And it's one of the earliest stories that shows interracial marriage in a positive light uh, mm -hmm. in fiction. Because Conan, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was the original SJW. He's like, I don't give a fuck, this is mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> um, and, but, you, you know, her, we know that their married name is Hebron and the child's name is Lucy and it never comes up again. And it's like, well, in 1934, she'd be in her 40s. Um, and, She's exactly the kind of character that Holmes, when his retirement would go, I need a, uh, I need someone to take over for me. Um, Watson's getting on age. Someone needs to kind of carry the torch. I'm never going to have children. Whatever happened to that one young child I, I rescued 30 years ago, look them up and teach her what's going on. Um, and so, it, again, it, it's a kind of pulp thing of like, um, 
you know, the, the mentee of Sherlock Holmes is also two-fisted and she's, you know, raised in England and erudite and she goes around with her um, Brooklyn Irish cabbie who's two-fisted and 20 years old and doesn't know shit, but is secretly in love with her. It's exactly the kind of pulp <laughs> nonsense you would expect to see, right? And I love writing every minute of that. Yeah, it's, it's the concept of legacy. Mm -hmm. um, yes. a, a modern example of this, in my opinion, because I've raised on comic books, is Batman, very much spawned in the mm -hmm. pulp era, is all of the people that the Batman has taught in yes. the DCU and like all of them being their own special, but very capable because Batman has learned from the best and is one of the best. And when he teaches someone that he teaches them the best way. And so mm -hmm. they take on the legacy of the bat. Hence why they're right. kind of a bat family in that all of them are normal people that have developed extraordinary skills because of this legacy that they've inherited and, and a little tragedy from the Batman. Right. And then like um, little things like in the original pulps, um, uh, Sherlock Holmes had the, the ancient art of Japanese wrestling called Buritsu, which is completely made up nonsense. Uh, but both the Shadow and Doc Savage have also in their original pulps also used Buritsu. Uh, <laughs> so this made up nonsense now is generational thing. And so again, it's, it's kind of a homage of like, well, where'd they learn that from? Well, again, about the right time frame. Um, so, I mean, that's, you're right, exactly that kind of nodding towards you because because this is the, the 30s would have been it's really the second generation of american adventure fiction and the mm -hmm. third generation of british adventure fiction okay. and so yeah they're going to talk about the references of the people they have before and so it was nice that in adventure we can kind of do that to a degree to ourselves right mm -hmm. it's like we, we can make a nod to the original adventure team and build on uh, the cool stuff they did whereas with the other books it made more sense to kind of take a new approach the, being able to put that sense of legacy actually in the game itself was a really nice touch that I was glad we were able to. No, I, yeah. I, we appreciate so, it. So um, the, the first edition <laughs> of Adventure was kind of unique in that it was the one that had a crafting system. Um, and of course, you know, we've got the crafting systems in, in Aeon and, and, and Aberrant and all that. Um, so I'm wondering, like, how did you approach the, the super science of uh, Adventure in this edition? Um, so the super... Adventure Super Science uses the same Super Science rules that you find in Trinity Continuum Core. Um, we do have some special rules that are for adventure inspired only um, that make it a little more pulpy um, mm -hmm. and a little like it, it happens. It can happen a little faster and it can happen a little more on kind of a pulp time scale of, um, you know, it's so weird because in this time frame, everything is pseudoscience where like by the time you get to a, a, even aberrant, like there's real science going on and we may hand wave what that science is, but there's real science going on, um, you know, and, and they talk in kind of scientific terms, but in adventure era, they don't know shit about anything. And so, <laughs> and everything that's going on is like this kind of pseudoscience pulp science. Um, and so the, the characters engage in pseudoscience, pulp science, super science crafting. Um, like, Daniel has an essay. I have an essay. I have an essay about <laughs> quantum stuff, not yeah. about super science. <laughs> <laughs> because we got to have like the cool like brass jetpacks and the diodes that shoot electricity out and all yep. this other and the brains in a jar. And that's how we make our super science. It all works, right? It all. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the, checks out. one of the right. one of the players in the first adventure game that I played in put like 90 percent of his points into the Z machine. 
<laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. So inspired super science now, instead of, so in the first edition, each and each type of character could craft their own type of thing and had like their own crafting system almost, even though it kind of equated to the same thing. Um, in this case, it is not as granular, um, because they're all inspired and they're all work on the same system. We wanted the crafting system to work the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, I didn't make it more granular in that fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, you do have to have access to like, if you're putting like a gift, um, into super science, you have to be able like, if you're a stalwart, you can only put stalwart mm -hmm. gifts. If you're yep. a daredevil, you can only put daredevil and talent gifts kind of thing. Sweet. Um, oh. I am super intrigued. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here in a few minutes. Um, but from each of you, I'd like to I'd like to know like something we haven't talked about. Pick one thing we haven't really talked about that you really like and want to pitch that would appeal that you think would appeal to an audience that would want to go back it. Because I think everyone should go back it. This is going to be a good oh, yeah. game. You've had so many years of experience with this setting, particular this version of it that I think it's it's going to be more polished than ever. So what is, from each of you, what's one thing that you want to pitch? There's two things. Um, one is kind of the, the clip answer, which is uh, I want to pitch the fact that it will get supplements. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> We've never seen that before for this. Right. It's a brand new thing. The amazing thing is a second <laughs> book. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, this is going to be a small thing, but it, it's – I'm. I think it's important because Dana put a lot of work in it more than I think than any other game we've done is the inspiration list um, because pulp is a lot of white dudes. And I remember we had some, you know, we had some brainstorming because it's like, we try to find, because everyone knows Indiana yeah. Jones, right? And so we decided at some point, it's like, you don't have to say Indiana Jones because people are going to immediately, their brains are going to go there. They're already putting memes up of Indiana Jones as we talk about adventure. So we don't need to name drop that. I can um, hear and, the fist punching right now. Like, Every time someone says Indiana Jones, <laughs> right, that's that. all I can hear is just that, that that Foley artist just going to work. No ticket. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we don't mention, you know, again, Sock Davage, The Shadow. We don't have to really mention these. So let's find some new ones. And um, uh, I don't remember who it was, but someone in the team mentioned A Legend of Korra. And I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then then we started finding, as once once kind of the cap came off of that, we started finding a lot more. Um, uh, my particular favorite find was in tucked in a corner of the internet is this YouTube series called Detective L, which is a 30s based Chinese detective it's thing so that is amazing and badly translated, but amazing. Yeah, I think I've <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard of it or seen I went and it. I watched it. I was like, this is I'll so have to good. Check that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. The, the protagonist is is a woman, um, and it does not shy away from the sexism of China in the 30s. Um, but it's also kind of a Sherlock Holmes riff, which is why it got my attention. And the special effects are quite good. Yes. Um, and it's 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 gloriously over the top and wonderful as only Asian cinema can be. Yep. Um, mm, and that that didn't take nearly as long as I needed it to. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <clears throat> there's so much about this book that we've talked about and that we haven't talked about, but just there's so much in like, I can't just say everything, can I? Um, <laughs> um, the appendix. Ooh, the appendix, I know. Uh, actually, you know, I'm going to call out some of the new allegiances because we haven't mm. talked about new allegiances. Now, 
you're going to see some of your fan favorites uh, of playable allegiances. You know, you're going to see the air circus. You're going to see the, why can't braining? Oh, international detective agency. You're going to, you know, you're going to see that stuff is there. Um, but we, we did some stuff where we made the, uh, oh, what is it? Le Femme mm-hmm. Nouveau. Um, we made them in, instead of an antagonist group, which is kind of how they were written. It's really hard to tell in first edition. Some of the not working with Anne Society groups weren't particularly fully antagonistic, but they weren't mm-hmm. player mm-hmm. groups, right? They were kind yep. of either neutral or antagonist, but they weren't a player group. Uh, so we made Le Femme Nouveau a player group and protagonists. Uh, because it was odd to me that they wrote in a, a group of feminist women who like beat up men who were treating women badly and were like, but we don't work with them. And I'm like, oh, yes, right. because you're called the Anne Society for Gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> right. So let's fix that. Um, and we also have a couple of new groups that are completely made up um, that. Uh, are also, you know, protagonists or lesser allegiances, similar to how we did lesser allegiances in uh, the Trinity core that either point to allegiances that you'll see in the future mm-hmm. um, in, in hopefully clear ways, or are just allegiances that are functioning now, but maybe aren't functioning in, in the present, or maybe are, we just don't have, we didn't have space for every mm-hmm. single thing uh, in the Trinity core book. So mm-hmm. um I'm excited about the new allegiances that we've come up with just because mm. I think they're, they're kind of fantastic and they've got some interesting things going on with them. Uh, so I'm going to shout out to that. Also my authors on those allegiances were freaking fantastic. So great. Can't wait to read mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, before we wrap up and before you get your pluggables, uh, I wanted to say this, I meant to do this at the beginning, but I forgot I was excited. Is I want to say to Alex Path, congratulations on the Scion TV show. Yeah, oh, yeah that's because that's we were we were making plans for this episode, and that news dropped, and we were like, "Holy crap, <laughs> really?" Yeah. Now, now, I mean, I, I should say because a lot of people have gotten very excited, which it's a very exciting news. Um, but all we're really at stage is that we're now are working with producers to start pitching the show to networks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is. We don't have a network. We don't know when it's going to be on. We know it's live action. Um, uh, and also, uh, the people who we're working with are huge fans of Scion. They came to us to ask if they could nice. work on the Scion Neat. TV show. That's so they're great. deeply familiar with Scion. This is not going to be a Kindred mm-hmm. Embrace situation. This is not going to be a The Watch situation. This is going to be people who really want to do Scion the best way they possibly can. Um, and so they were – I mean, I remember when, uh, on the website now you can see that they have a mock-up of the prop of um, – uh, uh, Eric's gun. Yes. And initially that was like, what well, caliber is this bigger kind of gun? Is there anything? I mean, they, they were wanting to get all the details right. And it was just like, here's the picture we did of it. That's it's all a we big got. gun, big handgun. I don't <laughs> know. Bang, bang. A hand yeah. cannon. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, no, it is super exciting, but also it might be several years oh, yeah. before we can see. Anything, yeah, absolutely. So. It's the, it's the infancy of yes. a thing. But yeah. I'm super happy for you guys. I know you because I read that you guys had to kind of keep tight lived of it for almost two years. Yeah, and obviously you go still got some ways to go before it it sees the airwaves. But I'm super excited, especially if it if it focuses around the canon band. That'd be super mm-hmm. rad because it's a nice diverse group, and you get a lot of we got a, did a lot of different perspectives on that. 
um, mm-hmm. and the different gods. So uh, obviously I'm not going to grill you anymore. This is not what this <laughs> interview is for. But again, we wanted to say congratulations because that is, this is definitely a very rare and special location. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so yeah. much. So as we wrap up, where can people find you on the internet? Plug your pluggables. Uh, you can find me at daniellozon.com. has links to all of my social media that I mostly ignore. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can also, food, you can also food. yeah, <laughs> you can also find me hanging out in the Onyx Path Discord. Um, sometimes I pop in to to drop tidbits of information <laughs> and then run away. Um, <laughs> so uh, either of those are great places to find me. Yep. And Eddie. Uh, Actually, same for me. In fact, um, as we we're talking, I just dropped a tidbit on the uh, Anima channel and uh, Discord. So, you know. <laughs> also, uh, uh, yeah, get on the Discord, guys. Get on the Discord. These guys are talking not all the time, but they're there. If you want to get in contact, with, you want to direct, you have a direct question for them. They're probably eventually going to see it, and they'll probably answer you. Right. We we, we drop tidbits, or you know, you can go on off topic and watch me shit post uh, Transformers memes for half an hour solid. Dude, today. I was wondering about that. I looked at that, going, "What is going on?" <laughs> Someone posted Transformers picture. I was like, "Oh, we're doing this now." And I was like, "Oh shit, no, he's here." <laughs> yes, we are. Anyways, um, but aside from the Onyx Path Discord, um, you can find me at uh, pugsteady.com. Um, and also, you can, if you like more of this nonsense, you can listen to me along with my friends Dixie Cochran and Matthew Dawkins every week on the Onyx Pathcast, where we occasionally talk about Onyx Path games. Mm-hmm. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> but again, everyone from wherever at Polyhedron, thank you very much for coming on. Go back adventure, everyone. Give them your money so you can get quality content. So we'll say goodbye to everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. Matthew here. If you enjoyed the show, you can always contact us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, as well as at polyhedroncast on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Divis Melkab on Twitter. And I'm at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter. And if you really want to show your support and get some extra content on the side, head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron.